Hi, and welcome to the Local Church Podcast. I'm Jake Chambers, and I get to be the host of this podcast. And we are a church plant, a little church community, learning to be with Jesus together in Gate Harbor in Port Orchard, Washington. We're not experts, but learners, learning not just about Jesus, but how to be with Jesus, to be still, to be present, to be local, to be with Jesus in this moment, enjoying him together. So whether you've been following Jesus for decades or are just now starting to explore him, you can come, learn with us, learn to be with Jesus together with us. May you be blessed by this podcast and may more and more of heaven be breaking into your life into Gig Harbor, into Port Orchard, so that it might be on earth as it is in heaven. Thanks for listening. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and eat with him, and he with me. That is Revelations chapter 3 verse 20. In in a chapter that is known to have some of the harshest words from Jesus. Um, The church in Sardis being called to wake up. Um, The church in Laodicea getting the warning of being lukewarm. Jesus saying you're neither hot nor cold. You're lukewarm. I spit you out of my mouth. Um, a chapter has got some some pretty harsh corrections and warnings and rebukes, uh, and the chapter ends with this invitation to fellowship. That Jesus saying, "I'm I'm knocking. I want to be with you. I want to be with you." And if you're listening to this, Jesus is inviting you to have fellowship with Him. The the sharing of a meal that He says, "Come and I'm knocking on the door and." If you answer, I'll share a meal with you. I'll have fellowship with you. Uh, I'll listen. I'll be with you. I'll encourage you. It's this invitation to friendship with Jesus, uh, the King of Kings and the Creator God. Um, we see that invitation in, in even one of the more, more intense chapters in Revelation 3. So as we go through Revelation 3, um, the first letters to this church in Sardis, and some some of the context here is Sardis historically uh, had had been ransacked um, before, and it had been ransacked because their watch guards had fell asleep, and this was just part of their kind of historical story. It was something that um, the people of Sardis knew, and so Jesus, his warning to them is uh, found in verse one. He says, "I know your works; you have the reputation of being alive." but you are dead. Wake up and strengthen what remains and is about to die. For I have not, <clears throat> I have not found your works complete in the sight of my God. Remember then what you received and heard. Keep it and repent. If you will not wake up, I will come like a thief and you will not know at what hour I will come against you. And so there's this, the picture here is of a church that looks like the church on the outside. It has a reputation of being alive. Maybe all the programs are humming. Maybe the online presence is getting tons of feeds and followers. Maybe they're 
even doing some really cool things in the city. Um, but Jesus says, you, you have this reputation of being alive, but you don't know me. You don't love me. You're not, you're not doing the works that I'm calling you to do because you're not listening to me or being with me. And he says, wake up. Wake up, church. And I believe this is important for us today that uh, it is easy for the church to fall asleep. Um, it's easy for followers of Jesus right now to, to fall asleep and to look to the news or look to um, social media or look to just checking out um, for our guidance and our strength and just go through the church motions. And Jesus is warning us even today to, to wake up to the presence of Jesus. Wake up to the presence of Jesus. Um, and if we don't, that there is consequences and judgments coming. Then uh, the church in Philadelphia, the next church, is kind of the opposite of Sardis. Um, so Sardis is this big, happening, major reputation church, but they don't actually know Jesus. Philadelphia is kind of this small, unknown church. It says in verse 8, I know your works. Behold, I have set before you an open door which no one is able to shut. I know that you have but little power, and yet you have kept my word and have not denied my name. And he's just encouraging this uh, small little unknown church and encouraging them that you guys are keeping my word. It may not look like you're doing much, but by keeping my word, you are doing a lot. Um, that What the church is to do is to rally around God's word. To meditate on it, to read it, to listen to God's word, to preach and proclaim God's word, to keep his word and not deny the name of Jesus. So we don't, in times of struggle and trial and try, try, um, trying times, we don't turn away from Jesus's word. We rally around it and keep it and share it and proclaim it. Uh, and so for the church in Philadelphia, they're under major persecution. They're under intense time. They're feeling pressure from the government. They're feeling pressure from religious leaders to just give up on God's word. Um, and he says, don't give up. I'm going to make you a pillar in the temple of my God. Um, and I love towards the end here, uh, the end of this letter to them, uh, in verse 12, he says, The one who conquers, I will make him a pillar in the temple of my God. Never shall he go out of it, and I will write on him the name of my God, and the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem, which comes down from my God out of heaven, and my own new name. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. And so Jesus says here, uh, the one who conquers is going to be a pillar. Never shall he go out of it. A pillar in God's temple. And he is giving a promise of purpose and permanence. To be a pillar, that we, we get to be a, a major part of God's temple. The temple now is the church. It's God's people. And we, when the, when the world around us is quaking and shaking, Philadelphia was known actually for earthquakes. And so this imagery and promise is pointing to kind of this, this church living on the fault line and saying, when, when the world around you is just moving and shaking and unknown, the church is to be a pillar in God's temple. The people are to look at the church and say, 
they are still standing firm around prayer and the word and the person and work and promises of Jesus. That we remain a pillar even when the circumstances are crazy. Jesus' presence, his good news, his word is a pillar for us and we are to be a pillar to the world remaining firm with Jesus. And he says those that are keep and are faithful to his word, he will make them a pillar in his temple. He gives us purpose and permanence. In this crazy time, we have a purpose, a purpose to be being shaped by God's word and be proclaiming and sharing God's word with others, giving them something that is an anchor in a time where it feels like nothing is an anchor. At a time where it feels like everything is changing and anything can be taken away, God's presence cannot be taken away. His temple gets to be permanent and we get to experience and share and invite others into his presence together. Um, It's beautiful. So he promises purpose and permanence, but then he also says, um, and I will write on him the name of my God. He gives you an identity. He gives you an identity that you get to be identified with God the Father. Um, don't be confused here by Jesus saying, my God, my God, my God. It's, it's similar to when he says, my Father, my Father, my Father. It's, he's relating. This is actually very Trinitarian, uh, very Trinitarian verses at the end here. We've already seen, if we didn't spend time here today, but in verse 7, that Jesus says he's the one who has the keys. He's the one in authority. We see his authority, that he has this Trinitarian Godhead deity authority. Um, so he's not saying he's not a God, what he's saying here, but he's using endearing words about God the Father. Uh, and so there's this promise to have identity in the Father. That our identity isn't our work or our life stage or our race or our class. Like our primary identity is that we get to be identified identified with God the Father and God the Son and God the Holy Spirit. When we are baptized, that's why it says baptized in the name of the Father, Son, and Spirit. It's saying any worldly identity you've had before is, is buried with Christ and you rise again, you have this new identity. that You are identified with the Creator God. Um, that you wear His name now. And this gives you eternal worth and purpose and value. Uh, it doesn't mean that your stage in life, um, your job, your race and culture, your family, it doesn't mean those things disappear. They still get to be part of you, but they're not your primary identity. Uh, your primary identity is this adopted son or daughter brought into God's family. And so he promises this pillar of purpose and permanence and then the name of the Father on on us, this identity. And then he says, In the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem, which comes down from my God out of heaven. And so there's this promise of a home, that we get to be part of this heavenly home. Um, This is not our home. Our home won't have death, disease, and hatred, and division. Our home is the kingdom of heaven. Um, We get to dwell in that and help advance that even now. And so a promise of purpose and permanence, a promise of identity, a promise of a heavenly home. And then he'll say, in my own new name, again, a reminder of identity. He's saying that we're going to be identified with Jesus. We get identified with Jesus. And he says, he who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit 
says to the churches. This is all Revelation chapter 3, verses 12 and 13. And so you see the Father, Son, and Spirit all in those two verses. Um, Beautiful, beautiful promises there. Uh, Then we move on to the church in Laodicea. And this is the famous verse in verse 15 where he says, I know your works. You are neither cold nor hot. Would that you were either cold or hot. So because you are lukewarm and neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. For you say I am rich, I have prospered, and I need nothing, not realizing that you are wretched, pitiable, poor, blind, and naked. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined by fire so that you may be rich, and white garments so that you may clothe yourself, and the shame of your nakedness may not be seen, and salve to anoint your eyes so that you may see. So this is one of the more famous rebukes in all of scripture where Jesus is rebuking this church um, that has gotten to the point where they don't think they need Jesus. Uh, they got their cool building. They got their um, they're booming and growing. They got all their Twitter followers. They um, have the cool worship team and smoke comes out when the music's playing and uh, they're, they're rich and individually they've you know, are successful, they feel wealthy, they got, and for them, Jesus is an accessory. They got all this other stuff going on in life, whether it's their family, their work, their cool education, their, and, and they have Jesus on as an accessory. Um, the church is booming, is well known, it's very similar to Sardis, and, and Jesus says, I know your works, you're neither cold nor hot. In some of the cultural context of Laodicea, Laodicea had two sources of water coming into them that were both undrinkable. Um, one the one uh, came was a river that the source was pretty far out, so by the time it got into Laodicea, uh, it was kind of tainted and uh, became undrinkable, and it would have been just kind of lukewarm and polluted water. Uh, and then the other one came from a hot spring. In that hot spring, by the time it got into Laodicea, um, the water was no longer hot. It was just kind of lukewarm and undrinkable. And he's saying Laodicea has become undrinkable water. See, the church is supposed to be the place where people get living water. Jesus says that he is living water, that anyone who's thirsty, come to Jesus, and they will be satisfied eternally. If you've ever been just your mouth parched, so thirsty... And then you get cool, fresh water, and it's just like, oh, there's nothing. When you're deeply thirsty, you're actually thirsty. Nothing is better than cool water. Um, That's like when kids say they're thirsty, and you're like, do you want water? And they're like, no, I want juice. You're like, you know they're not really thirsty. But when they come in, they're like, I'm thirsty. Like, do you want water? And they're like, yes, water, water, water. You're like, okay, they're, they're really, truly thirsty. And our souls thirst for Jesus. They thirst for Jesus. And what Jesus is saying is this church in Laodicea, people are coming and they're thirsty for, for something true, for something authentic, for something real and lasting. And Laodicea doesn't know or love or point people to Jesus anymore. They're lukewarm. They're, they're, they're not hot drinkable water. They're not cold drinkable water. They're undrinkable water that and our friends, our families, the people, if, if we are not being with Jesus, being shaped by Jesus, 
drinking from the well of living water of Jesus himself, that we don't, that we don't have anything to offer others. We can only offer others undrinkable water. Jesus is saying, you guys are a worthless church. Your programs, your morals, your big events, if you don't have a love of Jesus, it's worthless. He's saying, you think you got all these things going? You think you're so rich? Without me, you are poor. You have nothing. And it's this reminder that if we forget Jesus, we are poor. But he's saying, you can be absolutely poor. You can have nothing. You can be the smallest, most insignificant person in your job, your workplace, your neighborhood. Church can be unknown. But if you have Jesus, you are rich beyond all comparison. You are wealthy. You have the living water. And I love this here because it's known as being one of the harshest rebukes. But in verse 19, he says this, Those whom I love, I reprove and discipline. So be zealous and repent. And even in some of the harshest words of Scripture, Jesus says his motivation for these harsh words is love. Say, I'm saying this because I love you, Laodicea. If you're hearing this right now and you don't know Jesus or you've just kind of just set him aside as an accessory and you're hearing this as a, as a rebuke, know that this comes out of love because Jesus loves you. He died for you. He cares for you. He wants you to experience him as the living water and to have the beautiful purpose of sharing the living water with others. He loves you. And that's when it comes to verse 20 where we started. He says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and eat with him and he with me. Jesus right now is inviting you to spend time with him. To be with him. In a world that's giving all these promises and none of them are living lasting water political promises health promises quarantine promises whatever they are financial promises Jesus is knocking and saying no 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 I am the living water I will come and I will be with you I am knocking he loves you he desires to be with you to fellowship with you to encourage you, to care for you, to give you living water so that then you and we and us can be a church that isn't rich on the outside but is rich deep down, that doesn't offer undrinkable water but is a place where those whose souls are thirsting can find a nice cool drink. Those who are hungering and thirsting for meaning and purpose and love and something eternal and not fleeting, we can point them to Jesus because we know him and are spending time with him and that local church would be a place where people find the living water of Jesus. Let that be true of you. Let that be true of us. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening to the Local Church Podcast. We are a church in Gig Harbor in Port Orchard that is learning to be with Jesus together. If you'd like to know more, you could find us on Instagram at localchurchgh or online at localchurchgh.com. 
feel free to reach out to us and we can get you directions to a gathering. We meet every Sunday at 10.30 a.m. and you are invited. We'd love to see you there. With that, let me leave you with this blessing. May the love of God the Father and the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you.